interesting year ahead for you. Yeah. Uh, last year, you talked about being one of the most fun groups you'd ever had to coach. Yeah. What's this year been like? It's been more of the same. Uh, you know, we finished so strong last year and a couple buckets away from making it to the championship game and got 11 of those 13 guys back. And this summer has been much better for us because we haven't had to acclimate four freshmen or five freshmen like we had through the previous seasons. And um, so we're ahead, of the, we're ahead of the curve. And just the attitude and the effort that these guys play with, uh, I know it sounds unusual. We've had probably uh, 28 practices, and, and we've had a day and a half that has been bad from an attitude and an effort standpoint. And so they just, they make, we're making big strides with our improvement because we're not having to coach effort. You mentioned last year changing your game plan for Weber in, in the span yeah. of a day or so. Yeah. Two, two questions about that. First of all, what does that say about the intelligence of your kids and the adaptability of your kids? And then if you look at this year having to put game plans in in a short period of time, how much confidence does that give you to do that now when I mean, you can do that so quickly? Yeah, that was for our guys to be able to do that because we played in the first round and then in the corner finals to have a day to be able to do that and to totally adjust the way that we played. Uh, it was just a credit to them and their intelligence. And then to execute that game plan uh, pretty well, not perfect, but pretty well, um, just spoke of where we were at that point last year. I thought, you know, in, in February, I thought if you mentioned the top three teams in the league, we would certainly have to be one of them. Uh, and really disappointed that we didn't go further in the tournament. Uh, so, and then and then to be able to do that, because we're shifting a little bit to Thursday, Saturday, to be able to do that and to be able to put one game to bed and and move on to the next game and having one day to prepare is uh, is going to be a big challenge for all of us. But it's going to help that we got some older guys that have done that before. Getting to play in the postseason last year, I mean, last year when you, when you had the tournament end, it was kind of sad for you, obviously, yeah. because of that group, but still you get to keep them into the postseason and bring so many of them back this year. What was that postseason trip for you like last year? Well, just to be back in the postseason uh, for the first time since 15 and to play a really good Conference USA team and to win, for that to be at home, for us was just positive, positive, positive. And um, it really set our spring off on a good note, our summer off on a good note. Uh, we were disappointed we didn't advance in the CIT. Uh, had a tough draw going to Hampton in our league, and Hampton played very well, very well coached team. Uh, but it just sets us, it, it kind of gave us a hunger and a thirst for more. Uh, to, to, to be able to play in the postseason again, to you know, be back in the NIT or in the NCAA tournament uh, is just something that we've talked about a little bit this, this summer. Um, and just having a little taste of that last year was good for us. I asked Griffin, I've talked to you about this before, but I'll ask you again. These so-called pay-for-play tournaments, the, the lower tournaments, as some people see them, you obviously don't see them that way. You, you've had a very... Uh, positive outlook on those tournaments. What have they meant to you and to your program? Yeah, well, we're, we're a one-bid league. So, you know, if, when you're sitting in the ACC and you're going to get six to ten people in the NCAA tournament and two in the NIT, then it tastes a little bit different. And so for those people that criticize the CIT and the C, CBI, um, obviously those are power five schools that might be having those opinions. But for us, 
to have, I think we had six teams in the postseason to get multiple postseason wins. Uh, it's just positive for us to, to win a postseason game and to just built interest. It, it helped from a donor base. It helped with our new administration. We had a new president, new AD. It was just a win-win for us. And, and so I'm all for them. I, I think our team earned the right to play in postseason. We won 11 of the last 14 or 13 or whatever it was. And, uh, made it to the semis of our league and had a chance to win that That I think we earned the right to be in that. And it was just really positive for us, really positive. Along with that, what kind of an impact, we talked about the NCAA, the NIT, and all that, we know what kind of impact that has on a program. What does a tournament like a CIT or a CBI, what impact does that have on your program in terms of getting money and getting eyes on your program? Uh, just from a, from a financial standpoint, obviously the NCAA tournament is the boon for the league. Sure. I and mean, that's the most important. Uh, the NIT is a because we've done that a couple years. That's a break-even deal, and and the CIT, what that brings is just interest, hope. It's like you're building a program and you play in a mid-level bowl, and it brings you the excitement of to give a football analogy of the next year maybe getting to an upper-level bowl, and it, and it gets a little taste of it. Uh, it extended our season three weeks, so we got to practice. Uh, we got to work. We got to work our freshmen a lot more um, in those weeks in preparation for that. Um, so it was just a really positive. I'd do it again. I'd do it again in a minute. I, I hope we have an opportunity to play in some other tournaments in the next couple years uh, with a veteran team. But I'd do it again in a minute. Very thankful. Very thankful for the opportunity and the way the CIT treated us too. I mean, they were amazing now. Those are good people and they want good for college basketball and they treated us very very well and very straightforward and very thankful what was it like having one of those at home i know how much you love your home environment yeah like? it was great it was great we loved the buck dome um i think we were 13 and 4 at home and won a bunch of them in a row going down the stretch and for our fans to be able to come for our administration to be able to come and uh it was just fun it was a great day for us and that was a big, good team, and, and they had competed very well in Conference USA. And to have that them at home was that was fun. It was a lot of fun. You mentioned having a look at 13 back. How, how much are Christian's fingerprints still all over this program, even though he's now uh, getting to kind of live the second phase of his career? Yeah, we're very thankful for Christian. We love Christian. He's, he's, a, he's an alum, and uh, he's part of our basketball family forever. But this is a different team. And, and this is, this is we got three strong leaders. This is Flanders' team. And uh, I'm very excited about that. And his personality and his, his work ethic is second to none. And, um, and so he's got two, two wingmen and DD and, and Dontrell that are helping to lead this team. And uh, so we're very thankful. I'm very personally thankful I got to coach Christian. He's like a son to me. Uh, but, but he did it the right way. Uh, and we're very thankful for the number of teams. We have a different personality now. This is a, this isn't a, this isn't a, <laughs> this is a tough team now. This is a, these are some gritty, tough guys. And sometimes in practices we're having to, okay, that's enough because they are highly competitive. 
and they've taken on Flanders' personality. And, um, and so we're very thankful for where we are. And we kind of knew that was coming, so it didn't catch us off guard. We were very open and honest with Christian through the year. And he was very open and honest with us, and he loves our program. He, 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 calls, he calls our guys every day, and, and he calls me once a week. And, um, and so we love him, but I'm really thankful for where we are. I mean, we're, we're, we're a tough-minded group of guys. We've taken on a little different personality of, from a little bit more of a finesse team to we're a pretty gritty, tough-minded group, and that's my personality, and I like that. I like that competitiveness and that toughness and borderline highly competitive, nasty group. Um, I like that because that's, you know, I've always had to be a fighter and a scrapper, being a D2 guy, fighting my way up. Uh, so I'm enjoying this group. I love our practices, and um, I like where we are. Kind of to that same point, late last year, particularly against Winston, to, to bring that game up again. I compared it, and this is probably a bad comparison, but I compared that game to like being put in a dryer for 40 minutes. You're kind of tumbling all over the place because that team was really physical in the way it played. You could see the, the difference in physicality. When you, when you think of this team and its physicality, how does that help you win games with like that? Yeah. We stopped pressing about midseason. I had this crazy idea. I've told, I've told my assistant coaches if I ever come up with that idea of pressing for 40 minutes to smack me. <laughs> um, but what it helped us, we, get, we, get, we got in elite shape. And when we called our press off, we really started to win because our defensive principles were so sound. And late in the season now, our last 10 games, nobody shot over 40%. And for the last 10 games, teams shot 35 and a half percent. So nationally, that's Texas Tech, Virginia. And so we've taken that into this year, and we feel like we can be as physical and as tough-minded as anybody in our league, and we feel like that, that can be this team's calling card. Where in the past, maybe we've shot it a lot better. That, this can be this team's calling card can be our physicality, our the defensive end, the creating disruption, um, and they like that, which which is my personality. I, they they like that, and Flanders helps us a lot in that because he's he's willing to be a, a tough-minded defender, and there's no hesitation for him in that. And when your best players like that, then everybody kind of follows in. And um, so we feel like defensively we can be really, we can, we can be the best, probably since I've been a head coach there, this can be our best defensive team. You mentioned kind of the, the change that makes up where you're going from playing, having a day off, to playing again. Yeah. And you had to do that last year in the tournament. You had to play, take a yeah. day off, and play again, or play, and play the next day. With, they, they say defense travels, with that physicality. How do you have such a physical game, play 40 physical minutes, and then take a day off, turn around, and do it again? You have to give them more mental reps as the year goes on. Yeah, that's why you're the best in this room right here. That really affected us against Radford. We were up six with, with uh, what was it, four minutes? You were at the game. About four minutes to go, we were up six, and we missed three layups. Christian missed a layup, Flam missed a layup, and Ty Jones missed a layup. And I thought, I thought because of the effort that we had to exhibit to get there, I thought it really affected us. And so we're going to have to really look at that. You know, the Thursday travel, 
do you stay, do you play at, at Longwood, do you stay the night Thursday or do you get up, do you go Thursday night and get up Friday in the next hotel? Uh, so we're going to have to really study that and think about that moving into November and December on how that's going to be because I thought in the tournament that, that that third game in four days and, and, and Radford earned the right to be there. So the moral of the story for us is maybe we can fight our way out of that first round game and just get straight to the quarter quarterfinals. Um, and and because Radford earned their, I mean, Mike did a great job with that team and they earned their right to that just to be their second game. And we were hoping with a pretty tough battle against PC in the quarterfinals that they would be a little fatigued, but they weren't. I mean, Carleek hit a dagger from 30 feet with, with you know, whatever, two minutes to go. And, as Carlico will do. Uh, so that's going to be a real concern for us about, you know, do what do we take on the road with us? Do, do what type of equipment and, and to restore our legs? And what do we do Wednesday? I mean, what's Tuesday look like with, with a Thursday game coming and a Saturday game coming? What's Tuesday look like? And it really got me thinking now. So we're going to have to really think that through. And Griff, I mean, if I mean Griff, Griff has really been a problem in our league, and, in meetings, and meetings and stuff. Griff is just, yeah, he's yeah. Griff is always, you know, I don't know about Griff. Nobody, nobody, but nobody else knows about Griff either. So, and then Shibuti, he Shibuti doesn't even know about Griff. So I don't know. I don't know what's going on there at Longwood. Please don't print that. <laughs> He'll have it up on the locker room wall. Can I ask that question? <laughs> wow, that's uh, early for you. <laughs> I'm all for that, by the way, if we could get a new coach into Longwood. I hate competing against him. Coach Dickerson at Upstate, one of the things that he had mentioned was they had a game Thursday and then had to play Saturday in Spartan. So he mentioned instead of getting on the bus and driving home right after that game, they stayed over yeah. that, that uh, Thursday night, and then they were able to get up fresh Friday and come home and have a little practice. Yeah. So we did that this year. We had uh, we had uh, Radford, and we spent the night in Radford and came back and beat Gardner-Webb at home. We also this year have Eastern Kentucky non-conference, and we're going to leave two days ahead because it's, it's a bus trip for us. And so we're going to go to Knoxville, practice in Knoxville, and then the next day travel, which would be the day before the game, to break that trip up. So, I mean, it's definitely got coaches thinking. And um, definitely got, do you travel? How much medical equipment do you travel? Do we need to purchase? some new uh, rehab equipment to take with us and um, certainly because those Saturday games are so tough and and especially for a team that has to exert a ton of effort like we do because we're you know if, if we were a little better offensively then maybe we wouldn't but but we're such an effort team that that's a big concern you asked a lot of Dontrell last year as a freshman, you know, obviously he showed market improvement throughout the year. What's his transition been like from year one to year two? Well, Dontrell, Dontrell it might be one of the most competitive people that I've ever been around. We can't allow in scrimmages for Dontrell and Flan to be on opposite teams because it just becomes chaotic. 
because they're so competitive. I, I'm sure he's going to be highly disappointed that he wasn't named to the all-conference, preseason all-conference team. And he's such a chip-on-the-shoulder guy. Um, Dontrell had a cleanup surgery over the spring, and, and, and so he's rounding back into shape. Uh, he's not quite there yet, but he's, he's one of the most physical guards I've ever coached, including South Carolina and Miami. He's a 6'2", 195-pound guard that is as strong and as physical as any guard I've coached at the high major level to D2. And so he's a leader, he's tough, he's very confident, and uh, we're expecting him uh, to continue to grow. Uh, he's a score first point guard which sometimes in our system works, but as teams adjust to him, he's got to be able to find the open guy. And uh, that's, that's been a, a work in progress for him. Defensively on the ball, he's elite. Defensively off the ball, he has some growth. Um, he's so confident sometimes he wants to, he believes he can just take on the world and we're working with him. But Dontrell Don has a real desire to be great. And he wants to. He wants to be coached. He listens, and uh, his character is strong. And so we're expecting him to have a great year. We're excited about him. We're really excited about Busky. I mean, his offensive aggression for us. He, you know, he's kind of been set free a little bit. He's kind of gotten a get out of jail card because he's not a backup. He can play off the ball a little bit. He was such a prolific scorer in high school. Um, so he's enjoying being a, a little bit. I'm not saying he's a first option guy, but he's last year he's a fourth or fifth option guy. So uh, that's going to help him a bunch too. At the risk of saying too much, I had both Flan and Dontrell on my first team All Conference uh, ballot. So um, maybe I'm the one that doesn't know anything. Either. No, I, I, <laughs> I would say that you're very smart. And I think when you look at our All Conference ballot in the spring, I'd be I'd be shocked if those two kids weren't first and second team. Maybe both first team, I don't know. But I think Dontrell, without a doubt, is one of the top 10 to 12 players in our league. And uh, But I know him. He's a, I'm sure, I'm 100% sure he's already upset. <laughs> I'm sure he's probably in the gym. And uh, he will take that very personal. It's tough to say this about somebody who's so widely recognized, but how underrated is Flan as a player? Flan Fleming is... It's it's a little bit of the product of his injury, so I'm not I'm not totally surprised. Um, I think he's the best all-round player in our league. Um, the ability to pass it, see the see the defense, shoot, score at all three levels. His post-up game is much better. His three-point shooting is is growing daily. Um, he just presents such problems for people because he's. we can play him at the one, we can play him at the two, we can play him at the three, we can play him at the four. Um, I think he, without a doubt, is the most underrated player in our league, but, it, 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 you know, it's a little bit fair. He played last year on one leg and averaged 12 points a game. I mean, he literally, played on, literally had a hole in his bone and played. Uh, his stress fracture never healed properly. So we took two months, and 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 and, and the doctors in Charleston did a great job with him. And he's played pain-free, and 
he's not even back to his total self yet, but he's well on the way. Uh, and I, if I had to, tr if I could trade, I wouldn't trade him for anybody in our league, just because of his complete game. And um, he's such a he's such a strong character person. He, not that he took a back seat to Christian last year, but he at least took an equal seat. And at times, offensively, he would defer to Christian. And I haven't seen him defer one time this year. And that's his aggression gives all of us confidence. My best teams have had aggressive offensive guys that um, build confidence in everybody else because of the way we play with our dribble drive. You've seen us play a bunch. And when you have a guy that's willing to be confident like that, uh, gives us, and um, but what I like the most is how our team has taken on his personality. He and I talked about that a lot this spring after the season. That uh, he's never let a team down. He's never in high school and AAU, and uh, he won't let us down this year. Is it fair to say that one of the hallmarks of your team is not just its attention to detail, but its enthusiasm for it, defense, rebounding, setting screens, all that stuff? Is that fair to say? I hope so. I think. I think that's a, a big product of our assistant coaches. Uh, Thomas Butters is extreme on details. Uh, Rick Duckett is extreme on details. And I think that really helps me personally, just being real honest. I'm a little bit more of a big picture guy. And so I have to be real careful in our hires to get guys that are concerned and good at the details. And so I'm not great at that but I've hired three guys that are great at that. Um, I enjoy the big picture and have big visions. And so I love, I love enthusiasm, passion, um, coaching with no shame, no, no uh, negativity. And that's been new for me too. I mean, I've seen, you've probably seen a transition in our team the last four years and our guys love to play. They love to compete and, and i I think that's a lot of changing over the years of not every single negative thing, but let's play through it and let's work our way through it and um, try to be real positive in our approach and um, not look for any reasons why we can't do stuff, but look for reasons why we can. Hopefully our team, since we've done that, we've, our team has gotten better every year. And I think we're in a position where we can compete favorably with any team in our league. I could tell, you know how I could tell that was true? Because our scheduling was so difficult. Often in this profession, I mean, two years ago, I could schedule anybody in the country anywhere. They said, yeah, we'll play you. We'll come to your place and play. And this year, man, I could not get anybody to play. I was going to ask about that because you said in Nashville a couple of years ago, I mentioned you were looking for games. And yeah. What was it like this year? It's terrible. Golly, our, I know you have, but just looking at our non-conference schedule, for us, James Madison and Eastern Kentucky and Furman being our 50-50 games, like, okay. Um, we've always been able to schedule a lot easier. Uh, and, and I could tell, I didn't know how we were viewed, you know, in our region and nationally, but I could tell by the opponents that we were able to get that that we were viewed pretty favorably and having 11 guys back. And I think our league knows about you know, going back to your early question, I think our coaches know about Flandris and Dontrell. I just, I'm not sure our region and nationally they know about them yet. Uh, they will.
I think they will. A couple of final questions for yeah. you. When, when you look and see guys like Saw and Arwan who have gone from star players for you to now going on the coach and mentor yeah. others, what's that been like for you? That's been one of the greatest joys of my career. Um, to have Arlon on our staff last year and and then to have Saad Nimley, who's maybe arguably the greatest to ever put on a jersey in our university. Uh, Sa has done an amazing job. I didn't know if it could get any better with Arlon, but it did. Sa is born to coach, and uh, he will be a he'll be a Power Five assistant within five years, and he'll be a head coach very soon. It is very natural for him. It's very easy for him. Uh, his basketball IQ is far above his years, and the way he relates to his players, he's not a pushover. He is very demanding and tough on them, and um, there was a reason why we won all those games when he was there, and there's a reason he'll be a good coach, and having a guy like that really helps me, you know, and um, to, because I totally and completely trust him, and trust all of our assistants, but Saz, you know, that's family. And he cares about CSU. He's a four-year guy that his his jersey will be in the rafters, and he'll be in the Hall of Fame the next time we have a Hall of Fame class. I was going to ask about Sign practice, knowing how tough he was as a player and how just in your face he was as a player, both you know, both ends of the floor. What's he like in practice? He's very poised. He's very poised. You know, our practices are pretty pretty physical, and and uh, he's he's real good at giving real quick hints to our guards. I want him standing beside Dontrell and D.D. and Travis Anderson and really making a big impact on them. Uh, he's unafraid just like he was as a player and very confident like he was as a player. And uh, what an honor, man. It's just a great joy for me to, to look over there and see our players on our staff. And finally, a, uh, a question that I haven't really gotten much of an answer to yet. I, I kind of figure I wouldn't get much of an answer, but when you say, take a look back at this year, it's kind of tough to envision it now. What would define a successful season for you? Um, that we reach our fullest potential, which I think is up there. Um, so I'll be honest with you, I'll be very disappointed if we haven't competed for a regular season and advanced deep into the tournament. I'll be disappointed. Uh, to say, you know, the tournament's hard because you can have a bad night. I mean, in 15, we were the number one seed and we lost to Liberty. We had a bad night. Bad coaching job, bad playing job. I mean, I didn't have them ready. Um, and so I'd be disappointed if we haven't competed very favorably in our league and that we haven't advanced deep into the tournament and we're not eligible for postseason play. Now, a little bit is that our non-conference is going to be, we could be, we could be, be sub 500 and be a very good team just because Michigan State, Dayton and our tough teams on the road, Furman, North Carolina Central at home, um, neutral site East Tennessee who's they're saying is their best team ever, um, Southern Utah neutral site uh, so uh, hopefully we can compete and position ourselves for postseason play but I'm not we're not afraid of those expectations we want expectations um, I'm disappointed we're picked fifth, but people don't know. I mean, how do they know? I mean, I, and you mentioned disappointment in being picked fifth. What do preseason rankings mean? To nothing. You in 15, we were picked fifth and won the regular season. Sure. And it's just a. I think it's a. It's if we're being real honest, which we are, it's 
other's perception of your team. And so, you know, we'll take that very personally, that that's how we're perceived. And I'm not afraid to say that. I'm sure that will go, I mean, if it gets in print, then people will, will look at that. But that's the truth, and I always want to tell the truth. Um, wherever, we're, wherever we're picked is where we're picked, and that's how people perceive us. So we'll take that as a challenge to change that perception. And I'll, I'll close by asking something I asked Griff since Griff came over and interrupted us. Something I asked him. What do you expect to see next week in Tick 4? Uh, well, here's the things we will see. We will see a team that's extremely competitive, very physical, um, competes to win. Here's what we're hoping to see, a team that can play without fouling, because we've struggled with that in the preseason to play without fouling. Um, a team that is willing to allow us to use our depth. You know, everything's good attitude-wise until you start divvying up playing time. And as good as our culture is and much as we love each other right now, you know, that's going to be a, that, those first few games. It becomes a reality that, you know, you're going to start, you're a backup, and you're not going to get to play. And then I'm concerned about our ability from three. You know, we've scored a lot of points, and we scored a lot of points in our one scrimmage. We got another one coming up, but we did it all from two, and we did it all on effort. Um, and so I'm, I'm concerned about that, our ability to make three-point shots. I didn't think it would, man. I, all summer I kept on telling myself it's not going to affect us, but evidently it, do, it does because we hadn't shot a great percentage. And um, I've tried to, you know, I learned a lot from Eddie Fogler, young in my career, and one thing Coach Fogler would always tell us when we were at South Carolina is never talk about shooting. And so we haven't talked about shooting. And, uh, but evidently it has.